Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Greetings brothers and sisters, welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup where Al and D-Days are going to ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. It's May 28th, 2023. This is episode 61 where we're going to talk about President Oak's young adult devotional. A Latter-day Saint has one American Idol and the Cody Wyoming Temple is stirring controversy and the most closeted state in the United States has been revealed. Now, if you want to get in touch with us, we have a website here. We're at www.mormonnewsroundup.org or www.mormonnewsroundup.com, and you can interact with us here. Or you can send us an email to colab at mormonnewsroundup.org. Now, if you want to support this podcast, uh, we'd be uh, very grateful for that. We do have a Patreon site where uh, you, we'd be very grateful if you came over and visited our Patreon site and made a donation. That'd be great. Now, I'd like to welcome onto this program a longtime co-host, Al. Al, how's it going? Oh, I'm so glad to be back. Uh, good to hear your voice again, Divas. Thank you for having me. Yes, longtime co-host, listener favorite Al is back on the program. Hey, Al, can you just, uh, you don't use a webcam. Can you just tell us the reasoning behind that? Uh, yeah, I just need to protect uh, my own anonymity a little bit. Uh, just looking to, um, th- th- this is one of the reasons why I've uh, taken a step back is uh, this podcast is taking a step in the right direction of uh, going uh, with video and uh, I- I'm just not comfortable uh, showing my face out there to the world, uh, especially living in a very highly uh, dense LDS area. So uh, th- this is one of the reasons why I've uh, taken a big step back. And also uh, could have impacts in your job because you still work in the uh, in Utah, I, right? I do, and uh, um, like most businesses around Utah, it's uh, owned by an LDS uh, member, if not the church itself. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Now we're on Twitter. We're at, at News Mormon on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us there, we release all of our episodes there. Now we did a big episode last week here, Al. Um, which was released. We did a big deep dive into the 60 Minutes or Church's response to the 60 Minutes expose. We had on uh, Ryan McKnight and Colby Reddish. We mm-hmm. went through the entire uh, blow by blow of the 60 Minutes episode. The only problem is that it got a copyright strike. So um, we released the full audio of that is on uh, Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. It's it's on a lot of different listening platforms. But if you want the full video on it now, we had to edit that video down on YouTube to get the copyright. The full video is available on our Patreon site there without mm-hmm. ads. It's two hours and 44 minutes long, whereas the only, we were only able to leave up like an hour of the YouTube content. So that's a couple of housekeeping things. Anything else that I've uh, left off? I don't think so, but uh, yeah, that was definitely a juicy episode last week. Big news, big. News. It was it was tremendous to get Ryan McKnight, who was right in the middle of all of it, yeah. um, onto the program. And obviously, we had uh, he's an accountant. He's a founder of Mormon Leaks. It's a fantastic episode, one of our very very best. And we had Colby Reddish, who he's a lawyer. You know, we're dealing with a lot of legal issues. Um, you know, I, Mormonism Live, Mormon Stories, they had nothing on the Mormon News Roundup when it came to covering the 60 Minutes episode. We did a fantastic job. You can watch the full video on Patreon. Uh, uh, just any quick thoughts? Did you watch the 60 Minutes episode, Al? I did. And um, I I think that uh, the Mormon News Roundup did a great job covering it. 
Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm going to double your pay for saying that. Now, before we get <laughs> now, some follow-ups here. We have the sentencing date here has been set for Lori Vallow Daybell, the doomsday mom, mom here, and along with uh, Chad Daybell, uh, it's been set. And she is going. She was found guilty on May 12th of conspiracy to commit murder and first-degree murder of her children, and she is going to go ahead and get sentenced on. July 31st in the Fremont County Courthouse. There's going to be a number of victim impact statements. And uh, uh, Ms. Daybell is going to be allowed to speak if she so wishes. You know, as we know, the uh, death penalty is off of the table for this particular case. Yeah. So I would be very surprised if we didn't get anything in this except for a life in prison. Any any thoughts on this case here, Al? Oh, I, you know... Yeah, so I've been following this Lori Daybell uh, trial, and it seems like the audio they were releasing on a couple-day delay. And uh, she chose to—it's it, it's her uh, constitutional right to not uh, defend herself or speak at all, and uh, I think that was the right thing to do. Um, I'll tell you, though, her defense counsel seemed a little amateur and uh, elementary. So I think that if she does appeal, she's going to appeal on the grounds of ineffective counsel. And I think that's a shame. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, I followed it as well. I don't know what the council was trying to do because they didn't have much to fight for, for one thing. Yeah. I, mean, I just don't know what defense that they didn't, they didn't end up putting on very much of a defense that, you know, the prosecution all, took like yeah. two weeks. The, mm -hmm. the defense took like two days. Yeah. I mean, you're on trial for your life here. Um, they they I mean, didn't just, bring a single witness. No. <laughs> no, they I mean, just kept trying to attack the prosecution's witnesses, but not very effectively. I mean, no, uh, obviously, I think we're going to see a life in prison sentence on July Absolutely. 31st. I'll be shocked and, if we don't. <laughs> I, and I honestly wonder if with Chad Daybell, whether they're going to come to, because his trial is going to be coming up, if they're going to yeah. come to some kind of a plea agreement to spare us for another trial, because the evidence is just so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Let's just uh, spare the families of going through it again, of, of the victims, yeah. of everyone who was involved. And let's just mm -hmm. probably just get these folks behind bars for hopefully a very long time. Oh, certainly. Uh, the, the, the person that really needs to get some justice here is uh, Chad Daybell's um, uh, murdered wife. I really Tammy. feel for yeah, Tammy. I really feel for that lady. Yeah, I mean, absolutely horrible. Now, our next article here is uh, Dallin Oaks. This is our featured article here. Dallin mm -hmm. Oaks is uh, in the news. He gave the young adult devotional here just uh, this last week here. Um, big, uh, you know, filled the conference center, totally full there. Lots of people involved, and uh, he and his wife gave a long, a worldwide devotional for young adults. Sister Kristen Oaks, President Dallin H. Oaks, the first counselor in the first presidency, gave a, uh, a long devotional here that was specifically geared for young adults. And this is kind of in the same vein as President Nelson, who did a young adult devotional last year. You remember we covered that pretty well, right, Al? Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they usually do these, you know, they usually do them once a year with some uh, uh, member of the first presidency here. And all I can say is, Al, when, when nothing inspires today's young adults like um, a couple of white multimillionaire nonagenarians. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that, that's one of the first glaring things about this is you're getting people uh, that are way on in years, uh, almost in wheelchair, you know, uh, giving advice to all the young kids of today about what they should do and, you know, pull up your pants and go get a haircut sort of advice, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, just remember, Dallin Oaks was born in 1932. Yeesh. 
1932, <laughs> you're giving adult uh, advice to young adults. You know, yeah. the thing about uh, other churches <laughs> have figured this out. They have they have uh, young adult pastors, and usually yeah. they bring people in who are like, I don't know, in their 20s or early 30s for the for the children's yeah. pastors, for the young adult pastors. The problem is, is the church with the ordination system, they don't have anyone of senior stature who's no. um, like below 70. Exactly. And uh, I mean, on the ward levels, they had uh, like young men's presidents or uh, elders quorum presidents, uh, something where they could uh, call someone in their 20s and 30s. But uh, when it comes to the upper echelons, they it's such a like you have to outlive everybody else in order to get in there. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. last it's the last man standing philosophy. It really is. Yeah. yeah. And that's the way it was uh, set up by Brigham Young. Uh, you know, he, yeah. he wanted it that way. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, we're still feeling the repercussions of that. Now, there's a lot of clips that we could bring up in this. I just want to uh, play one clip here for us to discuss. Okay. And this was the legendary story that he allegedly got a letter from a young woman who had a number of concerns and it ends up being mm -hmm. uh, in the video, they end up dramatizing it. Oh, and yeah. I, I find the contents of this letter to be very interesting. Let's play the, this letter for you and uh, get some reaction here. I feel like I sometimes get inconsistent and confusing messages from the church. In my day-to-day -day life, I see members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on social media act as if they aren't part of this gospel. I feel like I'm the only young woman in my ward who sees the things I see wrong with the world. I truly don't understand why so many youth in our church don't see any problem with people changing their gender every other day, dating people who are the same sex or identify as no gender. At ward or stake youth activities, I'm asked my pronouns. Or at school, I'm asked to dance with a girl who thinks she is a boy. I know we are supposed to love everyone and show them respect, and I always do. I just feel that there is a line being crossed. I wish we heard more talk from church leaders about this problem. This is a letter from a young woman who is about the age of the high school seniors in this audience. Why does her letter strike me so profoundly? She wants to do what is right, but she feels surrounded by values and behaviors she feels to be wrong, and she just doesn't know what to do about it. She wants to stand for truth, but she doesn't know how to do it with love. Okay, so reading or watching this clip, it, this is obviously a letter from a, a young woman who's extremely involved in the church and running into some of the uh, difficulties of living in the world, but not being of the world. Uh, and things are really common problems that teenagers face is have it, how to get along with people who don't have the same faith that you do, um, but also, you know, not be the outcast weirdo. You want to be accepted amongst society, but you also don't want to have to compromise on your own uh, morals and your own values. So I, I completely empathize with this letter, whether this letter is authentic or not. It, um, I, it, there's no way of knowing. I mean, the, uh, the church has, in fact, uh, uh, you know, uh, said that they uh, fabricate things from time to time. I mean, Paul H. Dunn built an entire reputation on that. Uh, but, you know, that's just, that, that's neither here nor there. This could be a legitimate letter, and it, it, it is a legitimate concern, uh, regardless. 
It's definitely a legendary letter. It's amazing to me that mm-hmm. Dallin Oaks gets a letter that literally checks every single one of the boxes that he has been on the soapbox for mm-hmm. for the past 20 years. He finds the perfect letter that is written to him by an yeah. anonymous young lady that actually goes through every one of his, um, I don't know if you want to call them pet mm-hmm. peeves or yeah. his soapbox pro- or his passion, the things that he's passionate about. He just mm-hmm. finds a letter that actually uh, resonates with that. I find that to be rather coincidental. Yeah, it is uh, lucky for him. And so that that's why it raises my eyebrow a little bit, whether it's authentic or not. But hey, uh, there's still a, at least a million uh, active LDS people in this world, uh, but probably at least a quarter of a million young women. Uh, yeah, it could have it could be a legitimate letter. I mean, I think most estimates put it between four and six million active members. Uh, yeah. So I figure there's at least got to be a quarter of a million active young women. Right. Yeah, I do wonder why don't why don't we have a name for this letter? You know, in the enzyme, when you send your letter into the enzyme or the new mm-hmm. era or the ch- or the friend, it used to be called the children's friend. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, not the enzyme, the Leahona now. You yeah, know, I got to get mm-hmm. yeah, the Leahona. When when you send those letters in, they will put your name in there. How come we don't yeah. ever get to hear her name? How come we never get to hear a lot of the legendary stories that we hear in general conference from young women, young women's ad- addresses, young single adult addresses? We never get to hear who they are, anything about yeah. them, so that we could say, hey, you know, follow up with her and say, hey, you know, how did you feel about President Oaks answering your question there? We never get mm-hmm. to know any of that information. Oh, well, that's not important. We don't care how she was satisfied. He answered it. Therefore, she's satisfied, right? Uh, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess. I, I don't know. That's why I would love to follow up. See, one yeah. other thing that she wrote in, in that little passage is she mm-hmm. said she wishes that the leaders of the church spoke more about this. And I find this to be a very interesting statement because is that not criticizing leaders of the church? She said, I wish they spoke more about it, meaning that they aren't speaking enough about it. That's a criticism of the church. But President Oaks has repeatedly said that any criticism of the church, Mm -hmm. um, that that it's wrong and that you need to repent. And yet in the letter, she's literally criticizing him, leaders of the church. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, the irony, did he just miss that or what do you think? And her, her criticism is that he, the leaders of the church aren't saying enough. Um, obviously, this is a young lady who's very steeped in her study of her religion and watching General Conference. They speak very frequently and constantly about this stuff. So uh, once again, it's just something that raises my eyebrow again. Like, you don't think that they talk about this enough? I mean, this is a huge topic of every conference and every devotional and, you know, uh, Pay more attention, I guess. You know, stop uh, doodling in your notebook and start taking notes. It's, uh, yeah, they're yeah. talking about this all the time. Yeah, they are. And, and she talks about how the people, this young, this uh, legendary young woman here, she talks about how the, the people who she's surrounded with, which are presumably other members of the church or uh, I don't know, the people at her school, they're changing genders every single day. So one mm-hmm. on Monday they're a boy, on Tuesday they're mm-hmm. a girl, on Wednesday they're a boy, on Thursday they're mm-hmm. a girl. You know what? I, I don't know that much about the trans community, but from my understanding, mm-hmm. that's not really how the way that things work. That seems to be a straw man of people changing genders, of a person changing their gender every single day. Very much so. It's uh, th- That's a straw man argument uh, for sure. Uh, and it might be that this young lady just is that ignorant, um, sheltered, doesn't know, doesn't have a lot of real experience with uh, people. Uh, it's very uncomfortable that she was asked to dance uh, by a girl who identifies as a boy who's attracted to girls, I I, I would assume. Um, but 
it seems like there's a little bit more respect within the LGBTQ community regarding attraction. Uh, you know, they want people to be open to a relationship with them, but they don't want to necessarily force someone into a situation that's going to make them uncomfortable, just like they didn't want to be forced into a traditional gender role that made them uncomfortable, right? Yeah. In the letter, the young lady, she said that she seems to decry the idea of choosing one's pronouns. That seems to be um, an implicit or something that you can extrapolate that, you know, asking people their pronouns, that's uh, that's against her values. And Oaks, he doesn't refute that at all. He seems mm -hmm. to be complicit in that. And the reason that I find that important is the fact that just in the last couple of weeks, the church updated the trans policy in the handbook. And it used to be that you couldn't refer to people by their uh, preferred pronouns, but now you can. So oh. this is why I don't understand why we have a letter here where she says, oh, I'm tired of people asking me about my pronouns. Well, that's perfectly acceptable, even according mm -hmm. to the church handbook. Sure. That's, that's why I don't understand. Oh, she is a stellar member. I'll tell you, this, this young lady, she's, uh, she certainly caught the eye of Elder Oaks. Yeah, I, I, a stellar lady would know the church handbook and know that the church has no issues whatsoever with calling people by their preferred pronouns. Yeah. So, I mean, why did we update the trans policy if we seem to be decrying that in the clip? It doesn't make any sense. Now, the other thing that Elder Oaks here says is no matter what other people's values are, no matter what their sexual orientation is, no wonder what their gender identity is, that we need to treat other people with kindness. He spends a great deal of time in the devotional talking about the two great commandments of love God and love others as yourself. And I think that that is a great sentiment. Um, I think we should treat others with kindness, whether they share our values, morals, or or, or what, or whether they don't. I think, I think, for instance, that I don't know, anyone should be treated with values, uh, with respect, regardless of their uh, upbringing or, or anything with regards to that. And this is why I want to get into this point is because yeah. if you go back and look at the history of Dallin Oaks and how he has treated others with um, who were different than himself, we have this mm -hmm. famous quote that was from, I believe, a question and answer where mm -hmm. he talked about uh, somebody uh, wrote into him and asked him about what they should do if they had a gay son and their partner wanted to come over and visit. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dallin Oaks said, quote, don't expect uh, <laughs> to stay overnight. Don't expect mm -hmm. to be a lengthy house guest. Don't expect us to take you out and introduce you to our friends or to deal with you in a public situation that would imply our approval of your lifestyle. Is that <laughs> how we treat others who are different than us with kindness? Uh, kindness, uh, you know, it, it sounds like that's trying your best to put up with somebody by that, that's a rather hostile environment to bring them into. You know, you can spend the night, but don't stay very long. And, you know, don't expect us to parade you around and introduce you to our friends. We're going to hide you in the closet if any company comes over, right? Uh, it's ridiculous. So, you know, we'll, <clears throat> is the golden rule just a dead thing to treat others the way we would want to be treated? Would uh, Elder Oaks want to be treated that way by... Um, by a member of his community. If he if he went to a traditional believing uh, LDS home and all of a sudden their non-LDS neighbors come over uh, and they try to keep him back in the in the back room and, you know, just, uh, yeah, w w watch a church movie back here, but keep the volume down. We don't want anybody to know that you're here. Is he going to feel loved and is that going to be kindness or is he going to be offended by that? Is he going to feel slighted by that because yeah 
it, that slighting behavior. And it just sounds like really, it, it, it really sounds like this um, stereotypical old man way of doing things. It's my way or the highway. You can come into my house, but uh, be danged if you're going to eat any of my food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately, it gets much worse than that because uh, Elder Oaks was the center of the uh, electroshock therapy. Uh, there's quite a bit of controversy yeah. about this. And this is an article here that's on Blade Magazine here, which says that the Church of Jesus Christ no longer practices electroshock therapy or attempts mm -hmm. to change someone's gender orientation. But back in Charlottesville, I think that was what was that 2021? He took us. Mm -hmm. He took some questions here. And he yeah. said, uh, quote, let me say that electroshock th uh, treatments at BYU, when I became president of BYU, they had been discontinued earlier and it never went on during my administration. And he, he denied that uh, the, the electroshock, quote unquote, therapy was used on gay BYU students while he was president from 1971 to 1980. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of reporting from the Salt Lake mm -hmm. Tribune mm -hmm. and others that have uh, really mostly refuted that claim um so oh yeah it's a it's an outright lie i mean he expects us to believe that uh electroshock therapy let's say it ended in 1970 because it had been discontinued before he took over and then it started up again in 81 i don't think so I you know i don't so. i don't know if it started up again in 1981 but the salt lake tribune wrote mm -hmm. uh, in an article around the same time frame in november 2021 that latter-day saint leader dallin mm -hmm. h Oaks categorically denied that byu had used electric shock therapies on gay students during his tenure from 1971 to 1980 individuals and research say otherwise yeah so in, the, the, individuals yeah. there are personal testimonials out there of people who suffered at the hands of BYU in the basement of the Smith Family Living Center, that they were there. So he's calling them all liars, saying, oh, no, that never happened. Well, they say it did, and they've got the scars to prove it. You know, the Lambda Law Alliance uh, tweeted this out at the same time that Elder Oaks was invited mm -hmm. to the University of Virginia in 2021. They said that Lambda believes that it, this is the uh, gay uh, gay law alliance at uh, University of Virginia. Yeah. Lambda believes that it is dangerous to invite individuals with views openly hostile to the humanity of UVA's law LGBTQ students to speak particularly on issues of religious freedom and its intersection with LGBTQ rights. Mm -hmm. So, I mean. The, 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 he, you know, he's a very polarizing figure when it comes to LGBTQ issues, but he's saying yeah. that we need to be treating people with kindness, but I don't understand how electroshock therapy, I don't know how that's treating someone with kindness. That seems like about the worst thing that you could possibly do to another human being. Especially since it doesn't work. I exactly. mean, really all it is is uh, just torturing a person for feeling the way that they are, for having the carnal um instinctual responses that n that nature gave them it's, yeah yeah the desert the, the salt lake tribune has reported on individuals and the the documents have been drug up here the oaks signed off on it or at least this is important his signature was affixed to the study's approval now yeah. i have been on a number of doctoral committees I've been on dozens of doctoral committees in my uh, academic lifetime. Let me tell you that as a committee member, you're mostly familiar with the studies that you're involved. And you send that over to yeah. the dean and the dean gets thousands of these things. And he probably doesn't review yeah. them very thoroughly. And then mm -hmm. the president of the university has to sign off on it, too. We're talking about, you know, people say, yeah, his signature's on there. Let, let me tell you this. Look, okay. just because your signature's put on something does not mean that you're aware of it. OK, that's a yeah. fundamental that is a fundamental fact. That's not excusing mm -hmm. your behavior, because if your signature is affixed to something, you are saying that you are responsible for that. So we don't know mm -hmm. the level of involvement 
that he had with these. But going back to the young single adult devotional, his whole point was treating people with kindness and the electroshock therapy. That is the absolute opposite of that. Absolutely. Uh, You know, and it's possible that uh, his signature was just a, a stamp. I I remember uh, when I was a child, my dad was a surveyor in his spare time. And uh, so he had to fix his signature to a lot of blueprints and uh, like uh, plat uh, uh, layouts and stuff just to say, yeah, I've measured this property. And so he he didn't want to sign his name all that much. So he had a rubber stamp made and he'd just, you know, stamp it on the ink pad and then stamp it and be done. And uh, so I'm sure that that's a possibility. It, not everybody's going to read uh, thoroughly everything. They, maybe he didn't know uh, the details about it, but it still happened. Uh, you can't just uh, go out there and deny that it didn't. That, that, that is true. And see, when it comes to uh, Elder Oaks was asked about that, the Salt Lake Tribune reached out to him back in mm-hmm. 2021 for a response. And according to church spokesperson Doug Anderson, quote, Oaks declined to comment on the discrepancy between his memory and the research, end quote. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the church's representative pointed to the phase two, 2016 public statement, which we already covered, which says that the church does not endorse, uh, the, the church denounces any therapy, including conversion, mm-hmm. uh, reparative therapies, and uh, the subjects and an in, that, that subjects an individual to abusive practices, not only in Utah, but throughout the world. So he declined to comment on mm-hmm. the discrepancy between what he said at the University of Virginia which is overwhelming consensus of research and individuals shows that there was electroshock therapy during the time that he was at BYU. And with what he said, that it never took place. So you could clear all of this up by saying, look, I, I wasn't, I, I, I should never have put my signature on that. I should have paid more attention to the uh, doctoral studies that were going on under, under my tenure and apologize. That's how you take ownership for things. But of course, mm-hmm. he has not done anything like that. Well, because that uh, opens you up to legal repercussions, does apologizes to own responsibility. And he's walking a very fine line here, and he's doing it with some pretty expert agility. I got to say, for a guy in his 80s, he's sitting there saying, hey, 90s. Um, in his 90s now, yeah, he's, uh, he's saying, look, um, my, I am definitely not going to say that I went the Thomas Monson route and was starting to lose it, <laughs> that I don't have a re- full recollection. He's got a very clear, sharp memory, but he's still hiding it. He's still denying it. And so yeah. th- this comes off as extremely sinister, in my opinion. Absolutely. And then to go out later, it's one thing to be have been involved with something like that back in the 70s. I'm not excusing it. But Mm -hmm. it's another thing to talk about then 50 years later saying, well, we always need to treat persons of the LGBTQ community with kindness Mm -hmm. and not deal with the huge elephant in the closet. It's just the the hypocrisy here is really, really stunning. Yeah, because all that shows us that the church is unwilling to grow unless it's against its will. this is like dragging a uh, a cart behind you that's wheels are locked up. You know, now, it is yeah. it's really difficult. Now, Nemo the Mormon, he wrote a letter mm-hmm. to President Oaks that was uh, published last year, and he asked him about the discrepancy. And according to Nemo, the email that he got back, uh, President Oaks cited the FairLatterdaySaint.org website, which that is an apologist website, which seemingly basically exonerates President Oaks from the difficulties involved with the difference between his memory and lived reality. Um, does that help, Al? Uh, does FAIR ever help? I, I feel like uh, it's a good way for the guilty to say, well, this has been addressed. Here's an article addressing it. 
but it doesn't ever really leave the person who's asking the question feeling satisfied. And, Absolutely. And I think, I think we see that evidence very much. Um, I, I am a little curious why uh, Elder Oaks chose not to uh, address Nemo's email uh, publicly at uh, Devotional. Yeah, that's a good. These are all absolutely excellent questions. Now, the second part, I really the, the the talk was really broken up into two parts. I think the other part of the talk dealt on marriage and having kids. And the Salt Lake Tribune captured the headline here, and it says uh, this is their summary: Stop delaying marriage and start having kids. Dallin Oaks urges Latter Day Saints on LGBTQ issues. He holds firm on same-sex attraction, but urges members to treat those facing gender identity challenges with love and dignity. Um, how do you feel about this? Uh, how do you feel does he, about the characterization of the young adult devotional? Oh my goodness, he's out there trying to put out fires, is is what he's doing. He's he is addressing some real problems that the church is facing, um, that people are leaving in droves uh, regarding the LGBTQ movement and uh, shall we say the um, normalization of it. Uh, but he's um, also addressing the issue that there's a steep decline in um, members of record being born in the covenant right now because young people can't afford to get married. They're choosing not to get married, and if they do, they're not having nearly as many kids as they did back when he was a, a you know a, a young man, and you know he had to populate and you know multiply and replenish the earth. But the, the kids these days aren't doing it, so he has to sit them down and tell them some stories. Yeah, literally, he's from the baby boomer generation. Remember, he was born in oh, 1932, yeah. so at 20 years right old. The, right smack in the middle of the Great Depression. <laughs> right, exactly. He would have been yeah. at the end of World War II. Um, yeah. No, that yeah. Was, uh, the advice mm -hmm. is to crank out a lot of kids and get married earlier. And like you said, the member, the, the, the young children, we have the baby blessings that are released every year. Now, yeah. during COVID time frame, the baby blessings fell off a cliff because people weren't going to the church. And guess what happened with the baby blessings once the COVID lifted? They never recovered. They never recovered to their mm -hmm. previous level. And they basically stayed at that incredibly uh, low level. That mm -hmm. tells us that uh, the amount of children that are being born into the church and blessed, which is an important step, um, you know, in, in your church membership is extremely uh, is extremely limited. For sure. Now, uh, the other part of this, you know, he, he says it's very important to stop delaying marriage and start having kids early. I pulled up a couple of articles on this because we can, you know, science, so, sociologists have looked at this issue quite a bit. And, you know, what the effects of teen, uh, you know, if you get married young and if you have mm -hmm. kids young, you know, we're talking about, you know, late teenage pregnancies. If you're 18, mm -hmm. if you're 19, if you're 20 years old, yeah. um, you know, it puts it, it puts an incredible the research on, on teen pregnancy from, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a journal that was published from pediatrics studied 6000 Canadian women. And guess what? The, they experienced high rates of depression. They had significant mm -hmm. levels of stress. They had higher rates of suicidal ideation. They had, mm -hmm. um, you know, they had more. They were more likely to be victims of <clears throat> mental abuse, of physical abuse. They had poor health outcomes, large levels of depression. They had a panic attacks. They had it's very, very risky to get mm -hmm. married early and to have a lot of kids. That's a sociological fact. Yeah, but grandpa wants a bigger head count at the next family reunion. So, you know, for the for his sake, uh, for the one time we get together every one to four years, have more kids. Well, that takes no consideration whatsoever into account 
for the mother that has to raise those kids, for the father who's got to be responsible for, uh, you know, providing nine, not just enough uh, roof and uh, food for himself and shoes on the feet, but for other people as well, for that child, for the wife, you know, th there's a, there's so much uh, of the day to day that is just completely ignored by Elder Oaks on this. He's so uh, aloof, just like, well, I, I want more babies. Get me more babies. Uh, who's going to raise these kids? Who's going to, who's going to feed them? Who's going to look after them? Who's going to house them? Uh, we've got an entire generation that can't move out of their parents' uh, houses because they can't afford to make enough money to pay, to, to get a house they can rent or an apartment. I mean, so, that's one reason yeah. that um, Utah leads the nation in filing for bankruptcy. And I know, yeah. you know, people want to say, well, that doesn't have anything to do with the church. In fact, the Midnight Mormons, I, I was on their live stream mm -hmm. recently and they said, oh, that's just Utah culture. That's not church culture. Well, I, I can't I can't prove a causation, but I can prove a correlation. When you have lots of kids, when you get married very, very young, it puts an incredible financial strain on you, physical yeah. strain on you, mental strain on you. Yeah. It's an incredibly taxing thing, which is why we have the Journal of Sociology and others have scientifically proven that that has poor long term mm -hmm. outcomes for everyone involved. Oh, absolutely. Because in the state of Utah, what you find is that when you've got someone who's uh, not mentally uh, dealing well with being a parent is that uh, a lot of times will get taken out on the children. So then you have abuse, you have neglect, you have uh, even worse situations. So uh, I think ideally we would rather bring our Heavenly Father's spirits down into a loving, stable home. But we're not talking about providing a loving, stable home. We're just talking about, hey, whatever we got to do, bring them down. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. So I did a lot of research on this. I'm, I'm not a sociologist, mm -hmm. but it, infant mortality increases when your period between births shortens. Yeah. Okay? And conti also continuing to give birth at a higher age, that comes with additional risks for both the mother and the child yeah. as well. That's right. Um, it seems like it's kind of ideal to uh, have uh, to, to do your childbearing in the late 20s, early 30s area. Yeah, and that's the thing, Kristen. See, we're getting talks here from again. We, we got to talk here on LGBTQ issues mm -hmm. from someone who has a history of negative interactions with LGBTQ persons. That yeah. he's not the right messenger for this particular message. Now oh, we're right getting <laughs> we're getting young adult and marriage advice from Kristen Oaks. Well, guess what? She didn't get married young. She was his second wife. Remember, his first oh. wife died. And, th and this is her first marriage, isn't it? Right. It's her first yeah. marriage. She married him when she was 53. You're yeah. giving advice to young persons that say, get married early, but you didn't do it yourself. Oh, and I'm guessing she probably didn't work as a midwife or a, a doula or anything. So next she's going to give advice on or childbirth, right? Well, she doesn't have any <laughs> of her own children out. Exactly. So that's kind of my point is she's just so unqualified to be giving life advice. And again, this is a young adult devotional given to us by people who are in their 90s and 80s from people mm -hmm. who didn't marry young, didn't have children, and yeah. weren't kind to the LGBTQ community. Okay, I'm a little fired up on this because the messengers that we're getting from this, these are not the right messengers to be sending this um, potentially harmful advice. Oh, no. You know, this is equivalent to me coming on to uh, the Mormon News Roundup and saying, let me tell you what you want, Dave <laughs> Well, it'd be a lot easier since I have Dives right here in the room with me. 
Um, how about you tell me what you would want these days? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's another case of do what I say, not what I do. Remember, Dalinox, oh, he did not go on a mission, but that mm -hmm. doesn't stop him from telling young men to go on a mission either. Yep, for sure. You know, it's just, I don't know. You know, it, somebody tweeted this out. Let me share this tweet with you. We had Evan from the Book of Evan on the Mormon News Roundup here a couple of months mm -hmm. ago. He has, runs a very interesting Twitter account, has a lot of good takes here. Yeah, and he said... Evan. Yeah, he said, Dallin Oaks in the fireside this past weekend gave a somewhat hands-thrown-up rant asking, quote, why aren't our single adults getting married, end quote, all while sitting next to his second wife, to whom he is her first husband, for polygamous reasons, one might argue, only a little awkward. So maybe people aren't getting married because they know that polygamy is waiting for them in the afterlife, especially mm -hmm. women. Oh, absolutely. That's still on the books. Uh, we may not talk about it very much, but it is definitely on the books. Now, Al, you don't you um, you don't have any children, right? I, I don't have any children, but boy, I descend from polygamous. There's a rather famous uh, uh, in LDS uh, circles picture of John Taylor, or, or it may, I think it's George Buchanan in jail, uh, wearing like the the white and uh, black stripes uh, garb. <laughs> And my great great grandfather is standing next to him. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, they were both in prison for the same reason. <laughs> wow, you got you got serious Mormon bona fides, Al, for sure. You know, yeah. uh, Dallin, um, the, both President and Sister Oaks, they talked about how the societal trend of marriage ages is rising, and it's rising every single year, and the uh, birth rate is also declining. Um, meanwhile, in uh, Provo, Al, this I got this meme here. Meanwhile, in Provo, I'm unemployed. I live with my mom. Let's get married and have a baby. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, maybe 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 we shouldn't do that again, because I said that the effects of, uh, you know, the effects of early marriage, it also mm -hmm. corresponds very greatly to future poverty. It's yeah. not just about poor health outcomes. It's mm -hmm. not just about poor, uh, you know, uh, your men, your 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 mental health outcomes. It's not yeah. just about those things. You are more likely to end up in a life in poverty um, yeah. from entering into marriage earlier. Um, and it's just, mm. it's just, it's very troubling advice for me. Well, it's it it's because when you uh, get married and um, make that kind of a commitment, you would think, okay, well, that just doubles the amount of food that you need. It doubles the amount of uh, living space that you need. Um, it doubles the amount of cars. Well, you don't even need two cars. You can sell one and just, you know, share share a car, right? Uh, but uh, that's not exactly true because um, when you're single, you can move into, uh, say, a, a, uh, an apartment that has uh, multiple roommates. Um, not every apartment complex or uh, apartment situation is going to be friendly to a couple moving in with a bunch of single uh, people. And not to mention that that can make things really awkward for the living circumstances there. So uh, you do have to be able to afford your own independent living space. Um, you have to be able to you know, provide for yourselves. And then there's that possibility, especially when they talk about make babies as fast as you can. That uh, starts to grow exponentially with kid after kid after kid. It definitely does. Now, here is the charts that he brought up, the percent of 
uh, married U.S. adults uh, back in 1990. It used to be that females got 78% of females got married in 1990. That's that's fallen to 70% now. And back in 1990, it used to be that males 71% got married, and now only 62% are getting married. Mm-hmm. And also the average age uh, the average age of first marriage for church members has been increasing. Back in the 1970s, it was mm-hmm. uh, you know about 22 years old. Now the average age is 27 years old. Mm-hmm. So I mean. Yeah. Really, because it all comes down to, you know, RFM has talked about how the entire plan of salvation revolves around the Heterosexual Sex Act. And I know that Mm -hmm. sounds kind of crass, but Mm -hmm. because it does, the, uh, you know, getting married, having children early, that's extremely important to your eternal progression. And any delay in that could take you off the covenant path. Now, it may have poor outcomes for you physically, mentally, financially, but that doesn't matter because the only thing that matters is church obedience. Yeah. Um, the divorce rate, here's another thing that uh, is an interesting uh, statistic to throw out there. The divorce rate um, for the LDS is exactly the same as for non-LDS. So it's not like people within the church are getting married and staying married. They're actually getting divorced about the same rate. I think it's somewhere between 50 and 60%. Except for Al, I know this. <laughs> except for temple marriages, are far mm-hmm. less likely to end in divorce. Eighty percent mm-hmm. of temple marriages yeah. make it through. That's true. So, so that's the caveat. Yeah, that is a caveat. Yeah. But um, to look at like the, okay, so we're talking about statistics back in the seventies. Well, those children who were born in the seventies are in their forties to fifties now. Uh, most of them are in the fifties, but. Uh, you know, they're having kids or their parents themselves. Some of these kids, at least, you know, let's say, uh, let's just say half of them came from divorced families. Well, divorces are a pretty significant thing to uh, put any child through. And, uh, you know, so you get an entire generation of people that are associated with seeing all the messiness of divorce. They want to avoid that like the plague. So rather than getting married and making a quick decision like their parents did uh, in their early 20s, they're putting it off until their late 20s. And, you know, it's just a, let me take a little bit more time and, you know, look into this, and make sure that I'm making a good decision and not just jump right into it. Yeah. So. I mean, if you think about the LDS conception of the plan of salvation, the idea that you're supposed to have a lot of kids as a Mormon man and wife in particular is because you need to bring those souls into good Mormon families so that they'll grow up in the church and be able to return back to their heavenly father. That's the conception. Mm-hmm. The, the, the issue here is if the plan of salvation is fair, let's say that you and your wife, Al, they, you never mm-hmm. have children, or let's say that I decide yeah. not to have any more children, but we were supposed to have some. Let, let's mm-hmm. just... If we were supposed to have it, if the plan of salvation is fair, then those kids would still be sent to LDS families just to be a different family. It's not like yeah. they're going to miss out. Mm-hmm. The idea, I, I, it's just very, very confusing for me to say, okay, well, I didn't have the proper number of children. Therefore, mm-hmm. the, the child that I was supposed to have is going to be sent to, I don't know, some a Mumbai slum or some, someone mm-hmm. who's not a member. And therefore, they're never going to get to hear the gospel and they're going to end mm-hmm. up in the telestial kingdom. How in the world is that fair? Oh, it's not fair. And furthermore, uh, for uh, especially uh, someone in my situation who's, you know, we don't have kids uh, for medical reasons. Um, how is that fair to my wife? You know, how is that supposed to make her feel? I, it's a very that's such a uh, a personal insult to say, well, because you didn't get married young and have as many kids as you could right away. 
they're the heavenly father, the God of all creation, who's ever knowing and ever loving and in control of everything, all powerful, able to, you know, reach in and miraculously fix what's medically wrong with you. He's not going to fix what's medically wrong with you. Instead, he's going to take your spirit children. He's going to take your kids from you that you could have had and give them to somebody else. That is a huge slap in the face to somebody who get, who ended up with a medical problem that they didn't choose. My wife didn't choose to uh, have uh, issues that required a hysterectomy, you know, but it happened and we, we dealt with it. We, we live with it, but, and she still lives with it. She still bears the scars uh, both on her body and on her heart from that. And she deals with it every day. So to hear things like that be thrown around by a 90 year old man who's never given childbirth himself and just, you know, is completely aloof. It's extremely insensitive, extremely callous. Especially from his wife who had no children. There's another one by choice. Right? Yeah. yeah. By, but she didn't have children, but she's going to lecture us about the benefits of that. Um, that mm -hmm. you know, and, of course, in the young adult devotional, she never deals with it herself. She said, well, I never had children, but and I always struggle with it. No, she just brushes it over. If you didn't yeah. research it, you wouldn't know. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and the Desert News put out this uh, editorial here uh, just a couple of months ago that talks about Tucker Carlson, the disgraced Fox News host, who mm -hmm. um, we have his uh, email <laughs> emails where they were extremely insensitive to women. He mm -hmm. had emails that were extremely racist. But, you know, Tucker Carlson, he wants us to have Mormon levels of kids. Is that good advice? And, Al, I don't think you've read this Desert News article, but I bet you can, I bet you can guess what the answer to it is. I'm guessing that because it's the Deseret News, they're saying, yes, it's great advice. Yes, sure. Um, myself, personally, I think uh, maybe Tucker Carlson ought to look into what it means to be a, a Mormon and uh, to have those Mormon levels <laughs> of kids uh, before making a statement like that. It seems uh, like he's running off half-cocked to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the, the, the Daily Universe released here um, how the General Conference and also how messaging in particular to LDS mm -hmm. women has changed over the years. And LDS, uh, uh, you know, the, the key words mentioned in General Conference and, and, and addresses like this young adult devotional, you know, there was a big push back in the 80s for homemaking. But, you know, oh, yeah. we don't mention that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it used to be that women should be homemakers. But again, we don't mm -hmm. mention that. And birth control. What happened with birth control, Al? Oh, yeah. Uh, birth control became a, a big issue. And then they just kind of stopped talking about it, right? Oops. <laughs> we, we, were super, we, we were like Catholic levels against birth control when it first came out. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, maybe, you know, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll stop talking about it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> to Dallin Oaks, if, uh, you know, having lots of kids is so important, how come he's not talking about the evils of birth control? You know, that's, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, the mention of family. So what we've replaced all that with is mentions of family mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of a mention of motherhood. So the messaging um, has changed in some ways, but in some ways it's still always the same. Yeah. And uh, I think that it's really interesting, especially to see how uh, homemaking and homemakers got uh, wiped out. Because I'm I'm sure you remember that like every Wednesday uh, or one, one Wednesday night a month, the Relief Society women would get together for homemaking. And then that that changed in the 90s to enrichment and uh, they moved away from homemaking. I'm not sure exactly why they moved away from the, the vernacular of homemaking, but maybe it's because there was such a stigma like that uh, a stay at home wife or mother uh, that they weren't as significant or just uh, that that was all that they were about was just making a nice home. Um, it's not, not a very feminist concept. 
That's that's for sure. No doubt about it. Now, this last week, I was actually talking to my daughter who's 20 years old. And Mm -hmm. she said for the first time to me, Al, she said, you know what? Uh, My my grandma or my mother, her grandmother was talking to her while we were doing something. And my daughter told my grandmother while I was there, she said, you know what? I don't plan on ever having children in this life. You know Mm -hmm. what? And I was a little bit uh, that 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 gave me a little bit of cause for pause. And it kind of made me sad in some respects because I said, you know, well, I don't know. I kind of want to be a grandpa. But then on the other Mm -hmm. hand, you know, the world, it doesn't really need a lot more people in it. So am I just being selfish about this or what do you how should I have responded? Uh, You know, it's perfectly normal to feel however you feel about something. So, you know, I I understand uh, very much the desire to to want to hear a young voice call you daddy or to, you know, have a, a little baby want to look up at you and call you pop pop or whatever, uh, your grandpa, granddad, whatever you want to go by. So I, I am very sympathetic to people with that plight. Um, when, when I look at my own situation, uh, you know, that's something that I'll never, that's something that struck me really hard uh, with the issues of not being able to have kids is I'll never hear a little uh, voice call me daddy. Um, I'll never hear somebody call me grandpa or pop pop or whatever you're going to go by. Um, and, and that's just part of my reality, but um, that's just a part of it. It's not the whole thing. It doesn't really diminish my life uh, the way I see it. I can, I, I do have uh, the capacity to um, influence children and to, uh, you know, spread love to children and to, you know, I've got neighbors that have kids. And I've got you know friends that have grandkids, and I've got nephews. I've got nieces. I've got a whole bunch of avenues. There's foster children that we volunteer with. Um, you know, we've gotten involved with the Girl Scouts, and there's just so many ways to bless the lives of of children, and to provide them with a another good influence in their life. Because there are uh, studies out there showing that any adult that's a good influence can really make a difference in in the life of a child and it doesn't have to be your own yeah that's true you know my own personal experience of i got married quite young i had mm-hmm. uh, four children i think under the age of seven it's incredibly mm-hmm. stressful especially since yeah. my wife had to stay at home i was working mm-hmm. multiple jobs i was working so much i was working yeah. like 80 90 hours a week i missed mm-hmm. um a lot of my children's memories uh, i didn't get to see them i volunteered for military deployments because mm-hmm. i wanted that extra money and i was away from home for long periods of time it was very mm-hmm. stressful on my wife who's at home by herself with no husband yeah. around raising lots of children. It was yeah. incredibly stressful. And, you know, honestly, it's hard to say if I could go back and repeat it, you know, maybe I would have done things differently. I don't know. Oh, it's absolutely stressful. And that's something that I don't think that Elder Oaks is addressing. I think that that's a big issue that's being skirted around is the stress involved. And that, it, I mean, it really takes a toll on you. It taxes you to, to raise kids yeah. uh, because you have to do what you have to do, as you know. You know better than I do that. That's exactly what you said. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it probably all comes down to this, Al, and we'll just conclude on this. There, there are well-documented uh, physiological, sociological, mental, and a- economic downsides to getting married and having lots of kids. But there are positive church outcomes in activity rates, tithing receipts, and retention rates. Hence, mm-hmm. Oak's views of giving potentially damaging advice like this he views it as okay so long as the needs of the church come first. It's a philosophy that's called doctrine over self. What's best for you spiritually, socially, uh, 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 you know, um, physically? 
that must be yeah. subverted to the betterment of the collective whole. And that is the very definition of a high demand religion. Any last thoughts mm -hmm. on this young adult devotional, Al? Uh, it sounds very much like it's echoing the thoughts about tithing, that it's far better for you to uh, to go hungry uh, or to miss a, a car payment, to miss a, a paying your bills by paying your tithing. Just make sure that whatever you do, the church comes first and that you pay the church first. The church gets what it wants. And then uh, just make your own desires and wants secondary to that. That is a fantastic sum up. Let me just say one other thing about this for my concluding thoughts. And I probably should have prefaced this at the beginning. But before we leave this devotional, we need to make a note that any moral or ethical message from President Oaks should have been prefaced with a reminder that he helped perpetuate a multi-billion dollar decades-long investment deception, which ended up getting the church and Enzyme Peak Advisors, the church's investment fund, find $5 million from the Ex uh, Security and Exchange Commission. Now, I know Oaks only entered the first presidency in 2018, um, but he was still complicit in this entire endeavor. So hence, any moral or ethical teaching that he gives to us is tainted, especially since he has not explained or apologized for his behavior in any meaningful way. This former justice that sat on the Utah Supreme Court yeah, um, that that's who this is that was complicit in breaking the law that got the church fined. Yeah. Yep. And now he's giving us moral and ethical advice. Yeah. Right. And again, from his wife, who never got married, never had children, she's telling us to get married young, have lots of children. So just the messengers here. And again, this is a young adult devotional for people who are presumably in their early 20s from someone in their 90s. The messaging yeah. here, the messengers, they're just, they're just miles apart from where they need to be. Okay? And that, unless they fix that, the church will continue to crumble like it is. Now, you know, another article that came out this way this week also talked about the most closeted state in America. And this kind of dovetails to our last article because President Oaks talked a great deal about LGBTQ issues. And this was from the peaknews.com. And the most closeted state in America, Al, I'll give you one guess as to what the most closeted state is. I'm guessing it's not West Virginia. <laughs> no. no. Uh, it was very interesting, though. It is Utah, obviously. Spoiler yep, it alert. Yeah. But it was interesting how they came up with this, because how do you actually survey who, how can you do that? Well, they went to Google, and yeah. they had people, they checked for these terms. Am I gay? Am I lesbian? Am mm -hmm. I trans? Am I non-binary? And mm -hmm. if you're having to Google those things, then most likely you are a you're a, more likely to be a closeted person. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that really, uh, if you go back to our last uh, last article with uh, President Oaks, where he talked about how we treat need to treat everybody kindly, mm -hmm. but no, um, we do you know uh, we do gender uh, shock therapy on people, mm -hmm. and we don't have them be full fledged members of our family. Yeah. We can see why Utah is so high in being closeted. Oh, absolutely, because Utah teaches, or at least uh, during my childhood, it taught very strictly that, okay, you know, you are what you are when you were assigned it at birth. Um, and so if you're a boy, you will be attracted to girls. Uh, if, you're, if you're going to the dance, boys will dance with girls and girls will dance with boys, uh, regardless of what you're stimulated by. I mean, if you're turned on by males then maybe you're gay. If you're turned on by females, maybe you're a lesbian. 
that, and it's okay to ask these questions, but I find it really interesting that people are having to Google that question. Am I gay? Am I, you're asking Google if you're sexually attracted to people of your same gender. I mean, to me, it seems like it's pretty obvious, <clears throat> but then again, that's just me. I, I, I'm not unsympathetic to uh, people who are uh, in this predicament. In fact, I'm very sympathetic because of the way that they were brought up and because of the messages around them, because there is that uh, dichotomy in there. They're, they're, they're feeling one way, but they're being told another. So yeah, reach out to the internet, see what the internet has to say, because Google knows everything. The, Google can tell you uh, if you're gay or if you're trans or if you're um, non-binary, uh, because you're certainly not going to get that from Grandpa Oaks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely not. You know, I sent that article to my uh, gay brother who now lives in Las Vegas, and yeah. he was raised he was raised in Utah along with me, and he is not at all surprised. I don't think anyone is surprised by the results mm -hmm. of that uh, particular study. Yeah, his, his your brother is the one I really want to get his opinion of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now our next article here is uh, this is a cool article here. Latter Day Saint team wins American Idol. Now he is mm -hmm. the second person here. We had David Archuleta who won American Idol. Gee, that was so long ago. That must have been like, what, 12 years ago? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a long time. But uh, season 21 concluded with a historic winner. Latter-day Saint Ian Tonki became the youngest male ever to win the show. He's from Hawaii. He won over the judges um, since his very first audition. He's extremely young here, and he has a beautiful singing voice. I'm going to play a very short clip here of him. Uh, I don't want to get a copyright strike, so let's just listen yeah. to a couple of seconds here of yeah. him. Um, and this is when he... They they announced him. He came on. He sang. Let's listen to that. I'm addicted to your loving. But if you should know. Uh, but what's your reaction here, Al? Oh my goodness, this guy could be another Israel uh, cousin. Is yeah, the guy that sang. Uh, Somewhere over the rainbow that everybody knows. Yeah. He looks like him. He sounds like him. Boy, he's got a great voice. Yeah, he does. He's very, he's very humble. He's very, he was a real crowd favorite. Um, I think it's a real special moment when he goes out on stage, his family ends up joining him on stage and they sing along with him mm -hmm. is a really cool celebration. And he shares oh. the microphone with them. I'm just going to play a couple uh -huh. more seconds of this. Uh, he's sharing the spotlight with his family. As long yeah. as you don't let Really cool story here yeah. from uh, mm -hmm. nice to see this winner. And I figured you might enjoy that one since you served your mission in Hawaii. You're pretty yeah. familiar with uh, the Hawaiian he's, people. He, he's from Kahuku. I don't know that I uh, know the family, but uh, I, I did serve in Kahuku. That, uh, wow. Yeah. So I was from his neighborhood or it served in his neighborhood for a little bit. Wow. Well, what island is that on? That, that's right by Laie on oh. uh, Oahu. Yeah. It's right that, by the temple. Yeah, that's an extremely stronghold of uh, oh yeah members there. Oh, Laie is like a second Utah. It's uh, that kind of concentration of LDS. Mm -hmm. Well, I wish him the very best. Congratulations to him. I'm sure he's going to sign big record deals and he's going to become an international sensation. I guess he's going to pick up the torch where David Archuleta left it, since David yeah. Archuleta has signaled and his mom also that he David Archuleta said that he is quote done with the church. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's fair. I understand where he's coming from. Uh, so, you know, uh, I think his this uh, young man's name's Iam. 
IAM. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe uh, he'll do some research on the history of EOSEPA, Utah, and uh, someday that will be the, his way out. <laughs> yeah, I've been to EOSEPA. It's a very, it's a, almost a sacred place to visit. It is. It's really. It's such it, a tragic story. Yeah. Yeah, it is. A, a community of um, uh, Hawaiian Islanders came to Utah because during the time that was the, the word was the saints should gather. So these people from Hawaii came to Utah, but they encountered a lot of blatant racism. They weren't allowed in restaurants or hotels. And so the church was like, well, we got to do something with them. So they sent them out to like Tooele, out in the middle of nowhere, and built this little community of Yosepa. Yeah. yeah. Interesting it, history. Yeah, it sure is. Um, now, our next story here is the Cody uh, Enterprise has uh, released a, uh, an article here. This was uh, published mm -hmm. on May 22nd by Morgan Phillips. Neighbors have LDS temple concerns. So yeah. um, this is a Terry Skinner here. He said, first and foremost, mm -hmm. it's not personable, uh, personal or against all LDS faithful whatsoever. It's about what's doing right in the neighborhood. So the church is wanting to build a temple there in Cody, Wyoming. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're getting a great deal of pushback, which is pretty surprising mm -hmm. since Wyoming is directly in the Mordor. Yeah, um, there's a, a huge LDS population in Cody. It's kind of, it, it is in Mordor. Um, they're what, a couple hundred miles from uh, Rexburg, Idaho, and you know it's uh, right along the Wasatch Front there. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess it's not the Wasatch Front when you get up that north, uh, but it is. Uh, it's just on the other side of Yellowstone from Rexburg, so it's not that that far. And the people are mad, and I can understand why because uh, Cody, Wyoming, is cowboy country. It's wide open range. Uh, there's the Rocky Mountains up there, but a beautiful scenery. And they're talking about putting a temple that sticks 100 feet uh, high into the air with its spire. And that's going to change the landscape. It's going to change the scenery. It's going to change the view. Um, recently, the Heber City Temple, the uh, LDS Church was able to force their way into getting the ability to destroy the uh, night sky with their light pollution because they want to make their temple glow. And uh, so they got their way there. Now they're doing the same thing in Cody, Wyoming, and people are just upset. They're like, no, we don't need this big, uh, gaudy edifice uh, sticking its big uh, spire straight up into our sky here. We need, we, we need to keep it country, keep it, uh, you know, there's plenty of other places they can put it without upsetting the view. Yeah, that's what the, uh, the the master plan said, that the Skinner says that he wants to protect the existing character of the of, of the area and that even though this temple is only thirteen thousand square feet it's still going to be quite large i don't know the temple itself is one story so it's like 40 feet the spire is like 30 mm -hmm. feet so maybe it's like 70 80 feet in the air oh, but that is, uh, yeah yeah but that's still going to be higher than any other um edifice in the surrounding area yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and people are they, they were scheduled to have a public hearing on that um, where they were going to talk about it. But it was postponed because mm -hmm. the church withdrew its application for the project. So this mm -hmm. is in a kind of an example here of gra at the grassroots level. People are saying, you know, we don't want our dark skies polluted. We don't want the character, mm -hmm. the special character of our area upset. And the mm -hmm. church withdrew. And the plans are that the church said that they're going to resubmit these plans in the future. But mm -hmm. it seems like a small victory here for the people who were wanting get, to get rid of this temple. Yeah, uh, that's something that I, I find really interesting. Um, I wonder how much attention it's going to get when the church resubmits it, if they're going to change the location. Um, because that seems to be their, the whole beef is that they, they just want it to go to a different location. 
they don't want it out in this uh, beautiful, like wide open, uh, uh, what is it? It's not a turnpike, but it is like a highway out there. Um, and that's what the, that's what the community wants, but we'll see where the church decides to put it. Yeah, well, if they get approval to do it, there yeah. seems to be quite mm -hmm. a bit of backlash. And the open house, which had been scheduled, mm -hmm. according to my source, uh, uh, you know, it's not 100 percent, but the open house that mm -hmm. usually happens when a new church is dedicated, that's mm -hmm. been postponed as well. Everything has been postponed yeah. on this because the significant backlash, you know, the church is really realizing that they are not the big kingpin um, that they mm -hmm. once were. They used to be able yeah. to push temples through with ease. Now they're oh, finding yeah. resistance even in Hebrew City and even in Cody, Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's surprising. Yeah, it is. Now, we got two last articles to get here through, Al, yeah. and this one caught my eye here. This was um, uh, from the Evening Standard here. And mm -hmm. I, again, we find the most uh, unusual. Uh, we find the yeah. most unusual uh, uh, articles here. If you want to submit mm -hmm. an article to us, send us an email to colab at mormonnewsroundup.org. We would love to hear your article. And while you're at it, please uh, drop us a like, drop us a subscription here. But uh, the church here is involved, and it bought up an Amazon warehouse in the United Kingdom, the Wembley, it, it, I believe that is in England, Wembley Amazon yeah. warehouse for uh, 74 million uh, pounds, mm -hmm. which um, I guess that'd be like $100 million uh, yeah. via its charitable, uh, uh, via its charitable um, company. This yeah. $100 million building, Al, that's uh -huh. a, that, that is one heck of a building. Yeah, and it's uh, the church once again owns no women's shelters, no uh, you know free hospital clinics, uh, no soup kitchens, no homeless shelters. Uh, the church does own um, a lot of real estate that's commercial, and here's another example that the church just uh, added a hundred million dollars onto that pile, but no uh, no charitable buildings. Um, I find that interesting that the charitable arm of the church is buying a lot of commerce. I would say that the church does own a number of uh, charitable buildings. Welfare Square, for instance, is entirely devoted to charity. The Bishop's storehouses okay. are entirely devoted to charity. Yeah. And a number of the church farms, um, virtually all of the proceeds that mm -hmm. go towards charity. So I would count those as charitable holdings as well. OK, I, I stand corrected on that. But, but what you're saying is when the church makes big purchases, when the church, mm -hmm. as the Kent Industrial Washington complex that was bought last year, which was, mm -hmm. I, I want to say it was a $300 million purchase. Yeah. When the church really shells out the cash, oftentimes mm -hmm. it goes to these commercial ventures. And I found it interesting that they said that it was bought by one of the church's uh, investment arms called Covenant Gardens which I wasn't familiar mm -hmm. with that company at all. It just shows you that even though I try to follow this space as well as I can, I'm not mm -hmm. familiar with all these investment arms and everything that's happening. It's extremely yeah. opaque. This is not released on the church news. It's not on Deseret News. You only find out about this if you subscribe to this evening standard in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. You know, the church is just a huge kingpin in the United States when it comes to real estate. They're the number one holder of private real estate by um, by total net worth in the United States, and they're probably the number mm -hmm. two by number of acres owned in the United States. The church yeah. is just a real estate kingpin. It really is. And I wonder, what are they going to be doing with this? Now, what they did with the Kent Industrial Washington Complex is they bought it, and then they kept all the tenants, and now those tenants, are instead of paying money to 
I think that they bought that from, mm -hmm. I, I want to say Bill Gates. I can't remember who they bought it from, mm -hmm. um, but they bought this from Amazon. They'll probably keep the tenants as well. And they'll mm -hmm. just, instead of paying money to Amazon, they're going to pay money to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I mean, we're rubbing yeah. shoulders here, Al, with Amazon, with Bill Gates, with, <clears throat> you know, the church yeah. owns a billion dollars in, in Tesla and Google. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are the biggest players in the world, and the church is right there feeding at the trough. That's right. And so Russell M. Nelson, we can add him to the names like uh, you know, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, uh, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. Yep. <laughs> Without a question. He sits very comfortably at that table. Yeah. And if you think about the church as a corporation soul, he'd actually be the head of that table because oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Elon Musk, he's only only worth like, what is that, 125 billion. But if you put yeah. all of the church as the as a corporation soul, mm -hmm. if you yeah. think that really President Nelson really owns the entire church of Ensign Peak is mm -hmm. currently valued at 165 billion dollars and the church's real estate portfolio is, is about 110 billion dollars, mm -hmm. 270 billion. He's the head of the table and the rest of those guys, they need to wait for him to sit down before they start yeah. eating. That's right. <laughs> speaking of money, now our last article here, Al, speaking of money, the Widow's mm -hmm. Might Report released an interesting uh, analysis, speaking of money, mm -hmm. um, of Ensign Peak, which is the church's investment arm, and their U.S. stocks performance and positioning. Yeah. So uh, Ensign Peak, um, it directed its U.S. stock portfolio, um, it, its, its direct U.S. stock portfolio ended quarter one in 2023. That's the quarter that just ended. Mm -hmm. And it was valued at $46.2 billion. But of course, remember, Al, this is only the domestic stock options, which the church mm -hmm. is required to disclose. There is a number of other yeah. uh, parts of Ensign Peak, according to David Nielsen, which are not publicly available, such as uh, commercial real estate, such as bonds, such as foreign investments, such as other mm -hmm. things. So just the domestic portion of it alone that the church has admitted and acknowledged to being um, to holding these positions is $46.2 billion. That's pretty that's, right. that's That's impressive. Yeah, it's very impressive. Sure is. Now, the portfolio returns were 5.1% in quarter one. Mm -hmm. But this is the big caveat, and we've seen this time and time again, Al. Guess yeah. what? It underperformed the S&P, who the returns of the first quarter of 2023, the stock market was really recovered and doing well. S&P was getting 7.5%, but the church's uh, portfolio, it only returned 5.1%. Yeah. Uh, was that 2.4% less? Yeah. So um, I thought that the LDS church was led by inspired people that had a direct uh, link up to deity that knew the end from the beginning. Uh, that is a very interesting point, Al, and one that I cannot disagree with you. Now, yeah. um, according to the uh, Widow's Might report, which you can go over to widowsmite.wordpress.com and find this, and these are all linked into our show notes as well. The sector bets related to tech, energy, and financials drove the poor relative performance. Now, let's mm -hmm. go on to slide number two here. Relative to the market. So this, this slide here shows mm -hmm. how is Enzyme Peak performing with regards to the S&P uh, uh, 500, which is the 500 mm -hmm. biggest uh, stocks in the Dow Jones. Well, relative to the market, quarter one was the worst three-month period since consolidated reporting began. Consolidated reporting means when the church started, got rid of the 13 shell companies and mm -hmm. reported everything under Enzyme Peak. And this is how this graph shows, is Enzyme Peak outperforming the Dow or underperforming the Dow? Mm -hmm. And guess what? If we if we go to this section here, we're 2023, mm -hmm. they are underperforming the Dow by the most significant margin of whenever the uh, mm -hmm. returns started becoming public. Yeah, that's way. That's quite a spike. It looks like a dagger going down there. Almost looks like a needle. I mean, it's not, not even broad. This thing's a sharp drop. Yeah, it sure is. 
Now, the third slide here, it talks about, so with the S&P 500, if you just want to invest in the S&P 500, then you can use the index weight, which says what percentage of the different companies within the S&P 500 do you want mm -hmm. to have stocks in? You don't, you don't have all 500 mm -hmm. of them be perfectly even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a weighted because some of them are larger than others. You, know, mm -hmm. the, you don't want to have the same percentage in the 500th as the first. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the weight that you would have for these particular stocks, the index weight for Apple, for instance, is 7.1. But Enzyme Peak, it's at 5.4. So it's mm -hmm. underweight by 1.7. So they've gone in. They don't just follow the S&P 500 perfectly. They have weights as to whether they're going to buy more of a stock mm -hmm. or less than a stock. And so the weights here, this is the reason that the church has lost so much money is that their mm -hmm. weighting scheme was um, really, really poor. Yeah, it's uh, they're they're a little bit off here. Uh, so, for example, Apple, the number one, uh, the weight in uh, the S&P 500 is 7.1 percent. By comparison, the LDS Church's uh, Enzyme Peak weight is 5.4 percent. So they're a little lighter than them there. Um, Microsoft would be next, 6.2%, and then the uh, Enzyme Peaks at 4.6%. So uh, they haven't invested as much in the right companies, and they've invested a little too much in the wrong companies. Exactly right. Now, the church is overweight, meaning that they, they really like the church really likes financials and the energy sector, and the mm -hmm. church hates the tech sector and is underweight yeah. in tech. Now, mm -hmm. I, I can think of a pretty easy reason as to why that might be the case. Um, what do you think, Al? Why do they love financials and energy and um, are under underweight in tech, which is the reason that they lost so much money relative to the S&P 500? Uh, the, the Internet has not been the LDS church's friend, I'll tell you that. Um, Google especially has been <laughs> a big uh, thorn in the church's side. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, uh, the, yeah, energy, boy, we, we, yeah, we're always going to need energy. That's what makes the world go around. Is to, you can't power a light bulb without power so <laughs> yeah well i'm just going out here on a limb but when you're most of your um people who are controlling this fund are presumably mm -hmm. in their 90s yeah. they're not exactly the most tech savvy people on the planet i'm going out on a limb here to just speculate about that yeah. <laughs> but, but they're anti-tech probably because they're so old yeah and they're probably still hoping that it's just a passing craze it's yeah yeah the bottom's <laughs> gonna fall out of it <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Now, uh, there's two more slides to go along with this, and I find this to be the most interesting out of the, the entire slides here. So financial stocks fell after the abrupt failure yeah. of Silicon Valley Bank, which happened just a couple of months ago. So Silicon Valley Bank basically went bankrupt. It couldn't pay its bills. It basically had to be bailed out by the federal government. And shortly after the Silicon Valley Bank went out, um, went bankrupt, well, Signature Bank went bankrupt, and First Republic mm -hmm. Bank also went bankrupt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So all of these guys went. Um. Um. They went bankrupt. The the problem here is is that the church, according to this, um, you know, they didn't anticipate any of these uh these failures that were going to oh, happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. You know, it doesn't. That seem, surprise. You know, it doesn't seem like Ensign Peaks managers and by extension senior church leaders. They can't mm -hmm. seem to predict the future of what is going to happen and know mm -hmm. that, you know what, we need to pull out of the financial portion of Enzyme Peak because the stocks, yeah. we're going to see a big run on um, the financial sector is going to be cratering. And instead, yeah. we need to be putting our money into tech, which did very well. We mm -hmm. can't seem to see the future in the managing of these funds whatsoever. No, they really need somebody with the gift of prophecy behind the, the wheel there. 
And that's what that's what that's what I'm wondering. Does the Lord not want his church to outpace the S&P 500? Would he not want that? Well, I, I guess you can't serve God and mammon or money. Or <laughs> I, I'm, or, trying, I'm trying to think of anything to stand well, on there. <laughs> or or is it are his prophets, seers and revelators and managers, are they not able to discern the will of the Lord with regards to his financial wishes? Well, I mean, because if we had just put Enzyme Peak's money into the S&P 500 with the normal weights, we would have been up $2 billion. Well, exactly. And a, a lot of the justification that the uh, church hands out for sitting on billions, hundreds of billions of dollars is that, oh, well, you know, the, the, the church is led by the Lord. So, of, of course, they're prosperous. Of course, they're they're doing so well. But they're not doing that well they're not doing they're not doing the best no uh and you would expect that if the lord is in competition with the s p 500 that the the lord is going to outpace them not underpace them one would expect that to be so so this is the issue here major head funds and large investment portfolios you know the berkshire hathaways and those other Mm -hmm. uh, other places they employ the best of the best and those investment bankers, they usually travel the world. They're carefully watching the management personally of these companies. They're going to Apple. They're going to Google. They're going to Tesla. And they're getting briefings so that they know what's happening with these funds so that they can know, should we be adjusting our weight up or down? They spend mm-hmm. a great deal of money and time and travel to do that. And yeah. guess what? To my knowledge, the church has never sent any of its investment managers to any of these companies. It's never been leaked that Mormon officials are meeting with Apple or that Mormon mm-hmm. officials are meeting with Tesla or Google so that yeah. we know whether we're supposed to be adjusting these uh, weighted values to get the best bang for our buck. Remember, this is the widow's might. Yeah. You know, um, the church owns a billions of dollar, a billion dollars of stock in Apple. Mm-hmm. But to my knowledge, um, they've never gone to Apple headquarters to check on the management or pour over the books mm-hmm. or see what Tim Cook has up his sleeves as a major shareholder. When you own a billion dollars of stock that presumably you have access to some of these senior company leaders like mm-hmm. Tim Cook himself and say, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on with the company? Should we be investing in you? the church? Doesn't do any of that. Yeah. And, and before investing the consecrated sacred funds that the widows have donated for the right and entrusted the church with exactly yeah. mm-hmm. so i mean it does not appear that enzyme peak follows the best practice in the industry that is best practice to maximize mm-hmm. the investment knowledge and therefore returns now and that's this is important even after the hedge fund became known they didn't do it so before yeah. the hedge fund, when it was secret when no one knew about mm-hmm. it they really couldn't go around and do these site visits and really yeah. be a big player in the market because they wanted to stay hidden, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, but okay. Now that the cat's out of the bag, why mm-hmm. have we not returned to industry best practices to um mo- to to monitor these companies and make sure that they we're at least matching the S and P five hundred or preferably um outpacing it? Why haven't we returned to best practices now that the the jig is up and everybody knows mm-hmm. about Enzyme Peak? What are we waiting for? I don't know, because one would think that uh, that would at least raise it, even if they're not up at uh, at the exact same level with S&P 500, that they'd be able to raise it, uh, close that gap by a percent or two. Yeah, we're talking about billions of dollars here. Closing the gap by even a percent is a significant effort. It's more than you and I will make together in our lifetimes. You can hire a hundred of these investment bankers to go out and be Mm -hmm. more um, with the pulse on the finger of the market 
And if you raise it even 1% with 100 additional bankers, you've way made your profit back. Yeah, for sure. You know, so this is this is the issue. I've been thinking about this particular slide a lot. I guess the argument could be made that Enzyme Peak doesn't need to employ the financial industry's best practices because the Lord's sacred stewards, they don't need worldly input to manage the widow's might. They can do so with prayer and priesthood power. However, the unfortunate situation is that the results don't show that. That's very true. Well, maybe if they weren't looking at the pornography so much. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I got to throw that little thing out there. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what else can you get to, to, to justify this or make it make sense? <laughs> yeah, and don't forget last year, Al, that Ensign Peak was losing at a rent, lost three quarters oh, in yeah. a row last year, over a mm -hmm. billion dollars, three yeah. quarters in a row. And now that, this, now that the stock market has rebounded, we're not catching up. This mm -hmm. is just, it, it's, you know, we had the poor management of Ensign Peak all along. Yeah. And people are like, well, now we're doing it right. No, we're not. We're, no. Th this is still a complete and utter mess. What this looks like is the Book of Mormon cycle of apostasy. Because prosperity, we're on the, the curve where prosperity is ending and, the, and pride has taken over. So the Lord's going to start to humble the people. Yeah, the last slide on this, it says, remember, only direct holdings in U.S. stocks are disclosed by the church. And the mm -hmm. current U.S. stockholders, um, stock holdings imply that total Enzyme Peak investments are around 158 to 175 billion. And the estimates for that will continue to grow. Most likely estimate of total assets managed by Enzyme Peak will cross a $200 million here in a two, excuse me, $200 billion in short order. Um, any, yeah. any last thoughts on um, Ensign Peak um, performing? It, it has performed poorly from its inception by hiding, by not filing proper forms, and now by lagging behind the S&P 500, this debacle and mess, it continues to drag on. Yeah, uh, I guess but I'm left with the question, is the existence of Enzyme Peak itself uh, the will of the Lord. Um, I'm curious. I don't. Know. I I do. I wonder that along with a lot of other things. You know, Al, we are going to release. Uh, we release our new episodes for the Mormon News Roundup every Sunday night, 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm -hmm. That's when you can interact with the live chat. We'd love to invite you to be a part of that. It will be released then. And uh, I want to thank you so much, Al, for uh, coming back on the Mormon News Roundup. I know you're going to be coming on in another yeah. couple months, but thanks so much yeah. for being here. I, you know, I love our listeners so much. It's, I, uh, this is one of my passions is just, you know, talking about uh, the LDS news and how uh, it affects Mormonism worldwide. So uh, thank you very much for uh, having me on. And I look forward to uh, talking to our guests in the future. Now, shout out to Weird Alma, the prophet of the new disputation for this episode's music. And thanks so much for ruminating with us on the Great and Spacious Beehive. And remember, remember, no unhallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. So long. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Satan.
Hey there, brothers and sisters. Thanks for listening to the Mormon News Roundup. And if you are enjoying this show, please consider making a donation. Patreon makes an important contribution to helping us ruminate on the great and spacious beehive here. So thanks so much to everyone for for supporting us on Patreon.com. Thank you.